verse 8. Matthew 8, 23 through 9, 8. Matthew records this. It says, Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind, winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadareans, two demon-afflicted men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-afflicted men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town, and some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? So that, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So we continue our series in the book of Matthew and this kind of subset of, of messages on this theme of Jesus being different. We talked about the fact that uh, Jesus is willing and he is able to heal, heal beginning in uh, Matthew 8. Two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that there is a cost to following Jesus. And when we understand the worth of Jesus, we are willing to pay any cost because he is, in fact, different. Today, we will look at the supernatural power of Jesus, the difference that he is in his power. But last week, we paused this series for a moment to talk about uh, the reality that we need to recover that vision in a sense that everything that we do hangs off of our desire that Christ presence would bring life, healing, and restoration here in our midst, and to be a people who pursue his presence above all. Now this week, we had district conference up in Butler, where every uh, year all of the churches, workers, uh, we gather 
Uh, as a district in Western Pennsylvania, we gather together for three days to have worship, prayer, messages, to do the business of the district. And uh, so Tuesday afternoon, uh, the speaker who was the former president of the Alliance in Canada, David Hearn, talked about the need for the Holy Spirit. And then Tuesday evening in the evening service, he begins to talk about the river of God's presence. Last week, we talked about Ezekiel 47, John 7, the river of God's presence. And so he opens this message and he says, open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 47. And he begins to talk about the temple and the the river flowing from the temple. And then he talks about the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7. The first two-thirds of the message, I was like, this is exactly what we talked about on Sunday, two days prior. And I began to hear the Lord say, do you hear this, Mark? Pay attention. This is what we are to be about. Jeff Norris, who was one of the former district superintendents and helped this church family back in 2010, 2011 or so, he used to say of himself, but I find it true for myself, that he used this phrase, repetition repetition penetrates the dullest of minds. And so I had one of those repetition penetrating the dullness of my mind to be able to say, pay attention, this is what we are to be about, to be a people who live in the river of God's presence. And when we live in the river of God's presence, Christ's presence, the Holy Spirit's presence, there is life healing and transformation that takes place. But how many of you here today know that it's possible to know all about Jesus and his presence and his power and not actually ever experience it personally? How many know that? It is one thing to know about it, to read about it, to talk about it. It is one thing to even believe it. And it is a totally different thing to encounter and to experience the supernatural power of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to just know about the supernatural power of Jesus. We want his supernatural power to be released in our lives, to be released in our church, to be released in our community, to be released in our state, in our region, and to the ends of the earth. We want to experience and know that we have encountered the supernatural power of Jesus. And that only happens, I am absolutely convinced, that only happens when we are living in the river of his presence by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is different and his power is supernatural And his power is for today. And his power demonstrates just how different he is. We're going to walk through these three stories this morning. There are sermon notes in your bulletins as usual. And there will be more fill-ins on the screen if you desire to take further notes. But we want to begin looking at at these three stories and see that Jesus' power is superior to all other powers. There are three powers that we see here in these three stories. Matthew groups these together. 
And the first is the power of nature. Jesus' power is superior to the power of nature. After encountering those two would-be followers in chapter 8, Jesus now gets into the boat in which he was about to do when those two men came to him. And he and his disciples get in and they begin to cross to the other side of the lake. And as they are going across the other side of the lake, Jesus, who has been busy in ministry, who even though the Son of God humbled himself and took on human flesh like you and like me, he was tired. Like I would guess many who have been in, in a part of Fall Family Fun Day in a long week are probably tired today. And so he lays down in the boat and he falls asleep. And as he is asleep and the disciples are making their way across the lake, a furious storm, which was not uncommon for that region, a furious storm arises. The wind, the waves, and they are afraid. There are many of these disciples who were fishermen who would have been out on these, who would have encountered some big storms in their day, but this one had them freaked out. This one had them afraid. This one had them at the place where they were not sure that they were going to live. They were afraid they were going to die. And here is Jesus, asleep in the boat. Finally, they wake him up and they say, Jesus, get up. Lord, save us. In verse 25, we are going to drown. And Jesus waking up, rebukes them. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And after rebuking the disciples, he then rebukes the wind and the waves and it becomes calm. I've seen the power of nature firsthand. On May 31st, 1985, I was seven years old and for some of you, you're like, man, that was a long time ago. For others, like, that was, this is a young kid up here. Anyway, seven years old, and there was a tornado outbreak in Ohio that made its way into Pennsylvania. It was one of the 13, it was ranked in the top uh, 13 of the strongest uh, tornado outbreaks in history that are in recorded history, at least. For 47 miles, an F5, the strongest tornado on the tornado scale. For 47 miles, this tornado, starting in Ravenna, Ohio, all the way to Wheatland, PA, stayed on the ground, and it went right down my street. I believe it was 300 feet wide, with winds exceeding 300 miles an hour. And as a seven-year-old, I remember, because it came so fast, I remember being in the kitchen, looking out, and everything turning white, and literally seeing trees being ripped out of the ground and sucked up into this tornado. By the grace of God, our house was spared. Many others were not down the road a little ways. But on our three-quarters of an acre of my parents' property, there were 65 trees that were down. There was heavily wooded around our house, and 65 trees were down in that powerful storm. I saw the power of nature firsthand. 
And I would guess that we could spend a while telling stories of seeing the power of nature firsthand. We see the power of nature plastered on the news in front of us as it just seems like weather events are happening more and more, whether it be tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes or mudslides or wildfires, whatever it is, we see the power of nature. But let me tell you today that Jesus' power exceeds even the most powerful display that nature can throw at us. Jesus' power is superior to the power of nature. Jesus' power is also superior to the power of the demonic. In verses 28 through 34, Jesus then arrives with his disciples in the region of the Gadarenes, which was a Gentile reason. And the reason we know that is they are tending pigs. Jews would not have had, if it was uh, Jewish inhabited, they would not have had pigs there. So this is a Gentile area. And as they come, they are met by two men. Two men that had been cast out of town into the tombs. They were demonically afflicted men. They were so strong and so violent that they were kept out of town so that no one would be harmed by them. But as Jesus comes, these two men approach. And the demonic spirits within them speak to Jesus. And they say, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us? before the end, before the appointed time. And they beg him, knowing who he is, they beg him that if he is going to cast them out, that he does not cast them to the pit, but instead sends them to this herd of pigs. And Jesus commands them to go into the herd of pigs. They possess those pigs and they go down a large hill into the sea where the pigs drown. Jesus' power over the demonic is seen firsthand. I've seen the power of the demonic firsthand as they afflict lives, as they cause chaos. I've seen as one man was deeply afflicted, as he came to Jesus, he lived in a home full of chaos, and he lived his own life full of chaos and affliction. But after surrendering to Jesus, we walked through the group some time with him to cooperate with what Jesus was doing to set him free. And demon by demon was identified and root cause by root cause was identified. And this man found freedom from the power of the enemy. But after a little while of this time being over and he experiencing the freedom of Jesus and the, the power of Jesus being in display in his own life in that way, he said, my house though, my house is still full of chaos. There's something going on. And so we went into a time of prayer and one in the group had a word of knowledge, had a picture and said, in your basement, is there, a sh is there shelving? He said, yeah, there's shelving. And in your basement on that shelving, is, is there a crucifix there, a wooden crucifix with a metal Jesus on it? He said, yeah, how do you know? And the one in our group said, well, the Holy Spirit showed me that. And as we began to ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's the significance? The Holy Spirit revealed to us that that crucifix was the reason there was chaos in that house because that crucifix had been used in a satanic ceremony 
that had welcomed the presence of the demonic into that home. And so we said, Lord, what do we do about it? We break the, the grounds that they would claim, take authority over those. And so we did that in the name of Jesus. And then the Spirit instructed us to go to the house to get that crucifix and to burn it. And so we did that. Built a fire, took the crucifix there. We threw it into the fire and the, and the metal Jesus instantly started to melt. But you know what the weird thing was? The wood would not burn. The fire was hot. That metal Jesus had completely melted away and the wood was not even singed. Lord, what do we do with this? The Lord just simply instructed us, welcome me, welcome my power and watch what I do. So we welcomed the presence of Jesus. We began to worship and almost instantly that crucifix, the wood began to catch on fire and burned. There was power attached to it that the demonic would not let go. But when the power of Jesus came, the power of Jesus is so much stronger than the power of the demonic, it had to release it because he is more powerful. As powerful as demons are, Jesus is more powerful. We see it casting them out in just a word. Jesus' power is superior, thirdly in this passage, to the power of sin. To the power of sin. In verses 1 through 8, Jesus, again, is in the boat. He goes to another region, his hometown. And as he is there in his hometown, a paralyzed man is brought to him. And based on his previous actions of what we read about Jesus, we would expect that Jesus would just heal this man. But Jesus doesn't do that in this situation. Jesus says to this paralyzed man, Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. It's interesting that he does that, especially with the crowd that was there. There were teachers of the law, religious leaders who were there, who get all up in arms. There's no one who has the authority or the power to forgive sins except God. Amen? And Jesus shows he has the power to forgive sins. And they are upset about this. And Jesus knows their thoughts. The Spirit gives him wisdom, and he knows what they are thinking, and he asks them, which is harder, to say your sins are forgiven or to say pick up your mat and walk? Now, any of us, any of us could go to another person and say your sins are forgiven. There's no way that we with our own eyes can see whether that actually took place or not. We can speak the words but we don't know, and anybody could just say it and walk away. But Jesus says this, that you may know that the Son of Man, the Son of God, has authority to forgive sins. He tells the man, pick up your mat and walk, and he does. And he goes home. See, the power of sin is a real thing. The power of sin is a real thing. Sometimes we think that sin is just the wrong things that we do. And it is. When we break the law of God, we commit sin. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that sin is not just the wrong things that we do. Sin is a power. Sin is a power. You and I, we feel this, don't we? Paul cries out in Romans 7, What I want to do, I don't do. 
And what I don't want to do, I do. Who is going to rescue me from this body of sin? This way that sin has infected me. There's a power at work that I sometimes cannot overcome. Sin is not just, oh, I messed up. Sin is a power that has infected our lives, has infected creation. It's the reason there is death. It's the reason there is suffering. It's the reason this paralyzed man was on his mat. Sin has caused the brokenness of this world. And Jesus demonstrates then the healing of this paralyzed man and the forgiving of his sin that he has authority and power over the power of sin and over the effects of the power of sin. Jesus is different. His power is superior to all other powers in this world. The power of nature, the demonic, and the power of sin, just to name a few. And so whenever Jesus' power shows up, there's always a reaction. You can't encounter the power of Jesus and not have some response. I see at least five reactions in this passage to the power of Jesus displayed. The first reaction is amazement. Here are the disciples. It says, the men were what? (laughs) Amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Disciples are amazed. At this point, they've seen a lot, but this one is more than they can grasp. A man who is obeyed by the wind and the waves. When we live in the river of his presence, in increasing ways, prepare to be amazed. And may I ask you today, when was the last time you were amazed by the power of God. Jesus' power provokes reaction and attention from the demonic. The, de- the demons in verse 29, they immediately know who he is. As he shows up, they immediately know who he is. It's the powerful son of God with all authority and with all power. They plead for mercy. They have just afflicted these two men. And they have made everyone in town scared to death of these two men. But when they see Jesus, they plead for mercy. Demons know the presence of Jesus. Demons know his power and they hate it. Friends. When we live in the river of the presence of God, demons take notice of us. Not because of anything of us, but because who is in us and whose presence is residing in us. Demons take notice because Jesus is there. Jesus' power provokes reaction 
and often will make people uncomfortable. Verse 34, after the pigs are sent down, the men go into town and they tell what had happened to those men, but they also tell what had happened to the pigs. And verse 34 tells us the whole town goes out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave. They cannot deny his power. And it likely makes them kind of afraid and scared, but very, very, very uncomfortable. Friends, some people will be uncomfortable around the power of Jesus. And the reason they are uncomfortable around the power of Jesus is because it is supernatural. It is not of this world. And friends, if there is a level of uncomfortableness around the supernatural power of Jesus, may I suggest to you the reason it is, is because your faith is too natural. There is nothing supernatural about the Christian faith. And if your faith is natural, when the supernatural shows up, you're not going to know what to do with it and you will be uncomfortable. And that's not a bad thing. That should be a sign that there's something missing and something that needs to be pursued. The supernatural is part of the Christian life. This is the supernatural God breaking in. His presence is supernatural. Jesus' power provokes reaction and opposition from the religious. Notice who the ones who have problems with him in chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, it's the teachers of the law. Jesus' greatest opposition group was the religious. Here and in other instances, like when he was casting out demons and they accused him of casting out demons by the prince of demons. <laughs> Imagine that. You're casting out Je- Jesus. You're, you're not really on the good side. The only reason you're casting out demons is because the prince of demons, Beelzebub, is casting out demons through you. And Jesus comes back and says, can demons cast out demons? Can a house divided within itself stand? The answer is no. But it was the religious people. It was the religious leaders who were like, hey, uh-uh, uh-uh. Oftentimes, religious people will become very, very opposed to the power of Jesus. And friends, I grieve for those whose religious systems and whose understandings cause them to doubt or look skeptically at the supernatural or who say it's a thing of the past. Listen, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and is he not? Scripture's pretty clear, Hebrews 13. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then shouldn't we expect that there will be supernatural today? Supernatural power should be something that we live. And if we are not experiencing it, it should not be trying to figure out with theological systems why not. It should be, why are we not? What is wrong with our faith? What do we need to change? Where do we need to get into the river so that we line up more with what Scripture says? Not, no, we've got to figure out a reason why this isn't happening from Scripture. And too often that's what we do. We try to... proof text it with scripture instead of saying maybe we're missing something and friends if we're going into the river we're gonna need to be comfortable with the supernatural lastly 
Power provokes reaction of awe and praise to God. Verse 8 says, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. This awe and praise to God puts the focus in the right place on him, not on what was just done, on him, the one who did it. If we are seeking the supernatural, if we are seeking power, if we are seeking life, healing, and restoration apart from the one who gives it, we've got things backwards. Because if we are seeking the presence, these things will happen. And when they do, it leads us to greater awe, greater praise of God. Let's wrap up with this. <coughs> Jesus' power, as I said at the beginning, is to be experienced. Jesus' power is to be experienced. So in these three stories, what can we take of how do we experience the power of God, the power of Jesus? The first is this. That is to live by faith in God's creation. Now, make sure that you understand what I just wrote. I am not asking you to live by faith in the object of God's creation. So don't put your faith in God's creation, okay? Do you hear? You, you see how you could read that as if the object of my faith is God's creation. That's why I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this: live by faith in God as you live in His creation. Live by faith in Jesus as you live in His creation. So, what might that look like? Well, as you're living in our Father's world, sing the hymn. This is my Father's world. Would you pause for a few moments sometime and just stand in awe and amazement of what He has created? He's the creator with a word and with the breath. With, with the word, all these things were created. With his breath, it says the stars were created. The billions and billions and billions of stars were created with his breath. And he named and he knows each of those. Just stand in awe of that for a moment. And stand in awe of the one who not only created it all and set it in motion, but sustains it. So the next time you're outside, just pause for a moment and look up and say, wow. Wow. Living by faith in God's creation can also mean that in times of danger, like if an F5 tornado comes barreling down upon your house. In times of natural disaster, as we live in this fallen world, we hold on to the one who is more powerful than it. And thirdly, we live by faith even if the worst does happen. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 46. He says this. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in, in time of trouble. Then listen to this. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Listen, he says, not if, but when. <laughs> when the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, when the oceans roar and foam, we will not fear. In other words, if the worst case scenario in all of nature happens, 
living by faith in the one who is more powerful, says, Lord, this is scary, but we will not fear because our faith is at its test. And we believe that as powerful and as horrific as this is, you are still stronger. You are still more powerful. And our faith remains in you. It's easy to believe he's more powerful when everything is smooth and easy. It's another thing when nature throws itself at you. Jesus' power is to be experienced also by making Jesus your deliverer. Can I just say this? I believe we all need to be delivered from the power of the evil one. All of us had a life before Jesus. And sometimes the life before Jesus allowed some stuff in our lives. Sometimes our family history allows some stuff from the enemy in our lives. And so sometimes we need to take stock and say, Lord, is there any way that the enemy has his hooks in my life in some way, shape, or form? Because I believe in some way we all need deliverance. And even if we've dealt with that, or even if there is nothing from our past, we walk through a world that is full of the demonic, isn't it? And and I look at it as an experience, have experienced as if you're going on a hike through nature and you're walking through and there's, you ever walk through those areas where those, those briars, those little ball briars on, on, on plants there? And you're walking through and no matter, you know, this, the only way through is here. There's this little area. You, you're either going to walk all the way around and your hike's going to go a long time long, more. Or you're going to just say, okay, we're just going to walk through this thing. And you walk through and you're, you know, you're, you're crawling, you, know, you may get down on your hands and knees at times, but there's so many of them that you come out on the other side and you find, oh, well, I didn't get killed going through there, but I still got some on my clothes. And you got to take a few minutes to pull those briars, those stickers out of your clothes on the way through. Listen, if you're walking through life and you're seeking to be a follower of Jesus, as we walk through, stuff will get stuck on us. The enemy does not play fair. And so there are times when we may need to just be like, why, why am I struggling right now? Why spiritually do I feel so heavy? Why does it feel like there's a, a block between me and God? And if you know, you've dealt with all that you know of sin and it's just like, what's going on? Can I suggest that there may be just some things of the enemy just trying to cap where you're at spiritually? just walking through this messy, slimy, sticky world. And we may just need some time with Jesus to say, Jesus, is there anything that's been stuck on me? And then daily claiming the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the 
readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, helmet of salvation, a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, claiming by faith the armor of God. He's our protector. If you and I are out there in battle on our own, I don't care how strong you think you are. On our own, we're going to take a good amount of hits. We need the armor of God. Claim it daily by faith. Piece by piece by faith because all of those represent Jesus. And then lastly, be set free from the power of sin. When we come to Jesus, we need forgiveness. We need that initial forgiveness to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, no one enters the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So there is this initial coming to faith in Christ where what is spiritually dead in us and we are born spiritually dead is rebirthed. There is a new birth. We read, Michelle read this morning, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There's a newness that comes. And so when we come to faith in Christ, we are forgiven of our sins and we are born again. And so there is forgiveness of our sin in a legal way, the washing us white as snow that needs to take place. And then keeping tabs on our relationship with God. Because after we come to Christ, there can be stuff, sin in our lives that hinders fellowship with God. And so keeping uh, confession as a reality that we engage in is important. Being set free from the power of sin can also mean if there are habitual sin patterns in your life that you're like, man, I keep trying and trying and trying to stop this thing, but I just can't overcome it. We may just need some help from Jesus. Not may, we do. We need some help from Jesus. And I found in my own life, when I have those habitual sin patterns that I can't beat, I usually need to come into the light with another believer and to confess where I'm at with them. There's something about the power of sin being broken when we come out of the darkness, out of trying to handle it on my own and coming into the light with Jesus that the power of sin gets broken. Confession is key. And lastly, being set free from the power of sin means being set free from the power of guilt, shame, and con condemnation that linger from past sin. There may be those things in your past that you know, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. You brought it before the Lord. You may have even confessed it to other people, but it just comes back to you and you're like, oh man, you feel guilt all the time. You feel condemned by it. You may even condemn yourself by it. You may feel this deep level of shame. And not a, oh man, I can't believe I did that kind of shame. Uh, man, there's something deeply wrong with me kind of shame. And the, there's something deeply wrong with me kind of shame goes directly against what we sang this morning. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. He doesn't say there's something wrong with you. Shame says there's something wrong with you. And so... Some of these things, we need to be set free from the power of sin. And so Jesus has power over all these things. And we need to come to him to experience his power. And as we live in the river, we become aware of these things. I was thinking, I know this is going to 
get me laughed at for sure. But I remember as a teenager going through all those teenage times of uh, acne. Let's just be honest in church, right? Everybody, well, not everybody. Some people were blessed with pure skin. I was not. Okay, confession's good for the soul, right? But you know when my best week was? Not when I was doing all the skin creams and all that. It was when we went on vacation to the ocean and we were in the ocean swimming all the time. And that salt water, that salt content, man, it had a way of just like clearing things up. I didn't do anything differently except I got in the water. And and there's a reality to the fact that when we are in the presence of Jesus, when we're seeking to live in the river of his presence, seeking the outpouring of the Holy Spirit more and more in our lives, there will be things that will be done in our lives that we're like, how did that happen? There'll be things that we become aware of that we're like, whoa, I never knew that was there. And man, I am feeling such a sense of freedom that I did not have before. Not because I really tried hard or because I read my Bible more, because I was in the river of his presence. All those things lead us and help us cooperate, but it's actually the presence that does it. It's actually the spirit of God and the power of Jesus released in our lives as we live in the river of his presence. Jesus is more powerful, which means this. If you are feeling any sort of defeat and hopelessness in any area, can I just encourage you with this? Jesus is stronger than any area where you say, I just don't know if it's ever going to come. He's stronger. He has more power. There is nothing that we can say, I just feel powerless in this. If we feel powerless, can I encourage you just to go into the river to seek him? And not first and foremost for the re for the, the change of the circumstance, but just to get to know him more. And see what he'll do. But seeking him, seeking to live in the river of his presence. So as we close this morning, the, the worship team will come to lead us here in a moment. But just, if we would just take a, a moment can I ask you in prayer, where do you feel hopeless or powerless? Where do you feel that there is something in your life that's just bigger than you, and you may have even begun to believe it's bigger than Jesus? You may even feel like the disciples, like, Jesus, where are you? You asleep? We're going to drown. I'm drowning here, Jesus. I'm drowning. What, what's going on? Where is that? And if we can just sit before the Lord for a moment and just say, Jesus, would you restore a sense of hope that you are able, you are stronger? So let's go to prayer together. So Jesus, we just declare together that you are stronger. You have more power than anything, anything in all creation anything in the demonic, anything of sin in our lives, anything in any other area. You, you're the, 
all-powerful one. So Holy Spirit, would you come? You're the one who is present, but would you come to help us be aware of that reality that Jesus is stronger and more powerful than anything? whatever that area may be that you're losing some hope in or wondering about the power of Jesus over it, just hold it before him. So Holy Spirit, would you even begin to restore a right view of Jesus and his supernatural power in relation to this thing. And God, would you help us to exercise faith? Faith in Jesus and in his power. And Jesus, would you stir within us a hunger for being in the river of the presence of the Holy Spirit more and more? Oh, Jesus, we believe. Help us even in our unbelief. May we be more and more comfortable with the supernatural as we seek the one who is not of this world, who is the supernatural, glorified, risen, resurrected Christ who rules and reigns forever and ever. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise and sing with me this last song. Just really love to proclaim this truth as we leave today.